Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I'm so glad you're with us. I'm your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is my co-host, none other than the Jewish sage himself, Steve Herzig. How are you, Steve? I'm doing good, Chris. I I fulfilled my vow and saw you last week for our equip class, Israel and Prophecy. You did come. I did. I had my grandkids, and they were looking into the camera and wondering what was going on. And who's that guy with the long beard? I know, uh, I know. I had to give them all kinds of explanations. Well, that was a gr- I actually had a chance to watch you as your kids were jumping in the pool. Wait a minute. I had a chance to see you um, as you were a part of the class. We had about 150 people tune in, 160 people tune in from all around the world. And I saw you there with your sunglasses on yep, and your grandkids jumping in the pool. I had a black a- hole. <laughs> ay, 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 wait I'm a minute. Ay, 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 wait. You got to tell people uh, what you're doing well, there, Chris. We've been recording Steve's uh, uh, great sounds that he has, his great Jewish Yiddishness that comes out in his everyday life. And so, well, we, why don't you play a few of those so, for them? So, the moment Steve said "black hole," this is what comes to mind. I'll hit this button. Ay, 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 <laughs> the black hole of the ay, pool. But then, you know, maybe there's a little. I vase me. <laughs> That's another one. These will pop up throughout the podcast now, Steve. So okay? you're just hitting these buttons now. Now your voice is recorded, so whenever uh, I want to, uh, I just yeah, yeah, yeah. I just hit this. Zygazunt. Live and be well. <laughs> and then I don't think we've done Zygazunt. Did we do Zygazunt for uh, I don't a think Yiddish we word? All right, well, we're we going to save that one for later then. Oh, we got this one. Is anything okay? <laughs> well, it was okay last week when you're right. We I have a swimming pool. I, I a house came with it. Uh, I, if I was giving any advice to people, I'd say don't buy a house with a pool in it. Uh, it's nothing but a black hole, but it's great for the grandkids. <laughs> it's great for the grandkids. Anyway, Chris, you uh, taught your first week uh, and went over some of the really important verses, most notable, of course, Genesis chapter 12. What are you going to talk about this next equipped class? I mean, this second one of Israel and Prophecy. Yeah, so we have our FOI equipped classes. That's what Steve's talking about. If you're a first-time listener, um, FOI equip is our online Bible studies uh, for the Friends of Israel. Uh, FOI equip is... um, uh, we get an opportunity to learn the Bible from a Jewish perspective, and it's all free, Steve. It's free. Such a deal. Such a deal. And that, that's not a button. That's not a button. <laughs> it's going to become a button, though, okay? Uh, but uh, right now I'm teaching a course on Israel and prophecy. It started May 12th, but it will run um, May 19th and May 26th. It's a three-week series, uh, Thursdays, 7.30 p.m., um, you're more than welcome to join. You can still go to foiequip.org to register for the class. If you're just listening to the podcast for the very first time, we invite you to go there, foiequip.org. But I, uh, I I taught about Israel and prophecy from the promise and covenant that God made to Abraham. Next week, uh, This Thursday coming up, we're going to look at Israel, prophecy in the law. Oftentimes, I don't think people think about the aspects of the law that God made and how the law really drives a lot of how we understand Israel and prophecy. The law drove me to the Messiah of Israel. 
uh, because the law teaches us sin. The Apostle Paul talked about that, uh, wrote the book of Galatians about that. It's a schoolmaster. It's a teacher. Uh, and so, oh, that sounds great. I might even, uh, well, no, actually, tomorrow I'll be visiting my 98-year-old mother. Oh, really? It, oh, that's night. right, because you're going to another Prophecy Up Close Prophecy Up Close, which is in uh, Frankenmuth uh, in Michigan, just a little north of Detroit. And so I'm, I chose to drive uh, from uh, Pennsylvania because I'll get to see my mom. I spend some time with her, take, take her out to dinner uh, and enjoy that time. And, boy, if you think you have buttons for me to do various Yiddish expressions, oh, yeah, yeah, you should hear my mother. <laughs> she's got them all. Oh, she's got them all. Ah, feh, feh. Oh, she loves that one. Feh, feh. Uh, that that was last week's that word. That was last week's word. Pretty easy. F-E-H, feh. Yeah. Well, you should record your mom on some of them and bring them back. Maybe we'll I'll, add them to the I'll buttons. Think of, maybe we should have her on live. That oh, would be that, something. I bet she could give us some good ones. That would be fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. So Steve and I actually, we traveled last week. Um, Steve was in Oklahoma City. I was in Redding, California. Had a fantastic time doing our Prophecy Up Close conferences, Eden to Eden. That's what they're titled. Um, and uh, I was with uh, Jim Showers. You were with Paul Scharf. In Oklahoma City. I had a great time with Jim. We had a great group of people uh, who came out to study God's word from all around. People drove three hours, some three hours to be a part of our prophecy conference. So thankful for our, our group in Redding, California. Uh, we, had a, we had a couple who drove from Kansas to Oklahoma, uh, made it into a nice weekend trip. Um, and what I told them is uh, our executive director, Jim Showers, put that whole thing together from Eden to Eden. So I told them in four messages, we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation. So <laughs> strap yourself up. We're going for a ride. <laughs> no, that's a good one. That's a good one. It was a, it was a great time that we had um, uh, with our friends in Reading, and I know same for you in Oklahoma City. But uh, you know, if you're interested in wanting to attend a Prophecy Up Close conference, uh, you can go to foi.org um, forward slash conferences, and there you'll see a, uh, all the different uh, um, conferences that we pro- uh, that we provide, which are our regional Prophecy Up Close conferences. And we're expanding, and we're, we're expanding, expanding. That's uh, right. They're they're going to be in places. So if any of our listeners uh, say, "Hey, I'd like a Prophecy conference." a day conference near me, they can uh, contact us. Uh, we have a little pool. We don't make the decision, but if uh, maybe we can work it out. That's right. Uh, reach out to us um, at our website, foiequip.org. All right, so Steve, um, we're studying the temple. We are. We looked at how what the, the purpose of the temple. That goes back to Exodus chapter 40, 1 Kings chapter 8. God's presence came down. That's why we have the sacrifices. That's why we have the priests. That's why we have the system that was set up was because the holiness of God was dwelling in the midst of a sinful people. But yet God's grace is seen in the middle of it all because he didn't have to come down, but he wanted to. He did. And uh, we talked about uh, the, the glory departing. Uh, after the Spirit of God was with the people, he departed. We talked about the way he left from the Temple Mount down the valley up to the Mount of Olives. We talked about Christ, Jesus, coming, uh, being that glory in human, uh, absolute, 100% humanity. Uh, and we, t- we talked about the glory departing when Jesus uh, left after celebrating the Passover. They had him there. Mm-hmm. He was on the Temple Mount. 
and uh, he suffered, died, rose again. So, Chris, where is the Spirit of God now? Yeah, where the glory that was in the temple, the glory that was in Jesus, Jesus ascended into heaven. So what about it now? What does the New Testament have to say about it? So, Steve, why don't you, you take the lead there? Well, the, first of all, there was a prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 36 given to the Jewish people specifically. Yes. It says, I will put my Spirit in you. Mm. The Spirit of God will be in you. Uh, now, Looking around at my people and in Israel as well, uh, the Holy Spirit, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of evidence uh, that the Holy Spirit is indwelling the people that God promised. Um, so that seems to be an unfulfilled prophecy. But he, there is a mystery people, and you mentioned the New Testament. Who is this mystery people? That's the first question. And does the Spirit of God dwell in them, mm. and does he have permanent status. Those are, I think, things we should talk about here today. Yeah, and so I love that how you set it up there, too, because we had talked earlier about getting these passages together um, in relationship to where is God's presence now. If he's not in the temple, um, if Jesus is not walking among us today, then where is God's presence now? And we see even early on in Ezekiel that God said He his, his presence would come and dwell, and you know, again, even after the destruction of the the temple, uh, God's presence. He admits uh, in in the book of Ezekiel that I'm not leaving you. Uh, I'm still here, but I'm not physically present with you. But is that presence still here in the church age? Is that same physical presence uh, with us today? And so, what does the New Testament have to say about that? Well, statement? the New Testament has quite a bit to say. First of all, we are that mystery people. Yes, that is the the church. Uh, a people that none of the prophets were aware of uh, and don't come into play until Acts chapter 2. But we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, as as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, Chris, uh, I wouldn't say uh, the believers in Corinth were having a, a totally victorious uh, lifestyle no. because they were overwhelmed by the kind of culture by the way, not much different than the culture we live in. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. in the culture we're in. And yet Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, you, and now he's not writing to every single person in Corinth, but he is writing to the believers there who are meeting together. And he said, you are the temple of of God. The spirit of God dwells, sets up camp, yep. lives in you. Yep. That was that. That was the church in Corinth, and that's every local church of believers who have trusted Christ as their Savior. So the Spirit of God lives in them. And, of course, that is a passage that is, you know Paul is highlighting the sanctity of a believer's life, saying that uh, you know your body is the temple now. Um, and uh, in contrast to which, is, which was the situation going on, which was some sexual immorality, um, which we know we go to Acts chapter 15, what are some of the key essential aspects of how Christians uh, should live. You know, it's not so much according to whether or not they're circumcised or whether or not they're keeping kosher, or those aren't the things that mark you as as believers in the world. The things that, you know, what the, what the apostles were saying is that for Gentiles, what separates you is knowing that you're the temple of God and you should abstain from sexual immorality. So here Paul is even talking about that in, uh, in relationship to the issues in, in, in uh, the church at Corinth. And so our temple, our bodies are temples. They are uh, a holy place for the presence of God to come and 
dwell, as it says, the Holy Spirit of God. That we're to live out what is living inside us. That's right. Uh, and, uh, you know, Chris, I had a phone call from a, a, a woman, a uh, very serious phone call, one that I can't say has been duplicated before, and it was just recent. And it was a woman who had a, a, a lifestyle that she was very ashamed of, uh, and she was feeling very guilty, and she commented to me about that. Uh, and she's a woman in my age bracket. Uh, she came to know the Lord Jesus, but she said, I'm having a hard time. And I said, well, I understand that, and I understand the, the guilt that you must feel. But I said, you came to believe in Jesus, isn't that correct? And she said, yes. And I said, you know, you're fit for heaven right now. Do you mm. know that you're a holy vessel right now? Mm. She didn't feel that way. It's not based on feelings. No. It's based on reality. And I said, the problem that you're having is a problem that I've had many times for many different things, and that is you're thinking about the past without realizing where you are at the present. That's right. And so God's accepted you, but you've now got to come to a point where you can't worry about what you can't change, but live today. That's right. And isn't that what they did even during the temple days? They didn't worry about the past sacrifices they were doing. The past sacrifices didn't count. When it came to be Yom Kippur or sin offering, the one that counted wasn't the one in the past. The one that counted was that particular one, and you moved on from there. And as individuals, of course, we don't have sacrifice after sacrifices. It's a once and only sacrifice that we are then sanctified, set apart for God, a holy vessel, because the Spirit of God lives in us. And when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, they were kind of like the woman who called me. Yeah, they, There was things going on that were not good, not kosher, so to speak. And Paul needs to remind them. And uh, based on the temple, which was a holy place, uh, the priests were oh so careful to the minutia of practice. Uh, Chris, if we adopt that kind of attitude, just that attitude that, hey, I'm the temple mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just sexual immorality, which certainly characterizes us. Yeah. You know, every Wednesday here at the uh, Friends of Israel, we have chapel. <laughs> And I know where you're going with this. We have chapel. And I got to tell you, once I reached a certain age, sugar content uh, just ten- tended to leave me bigger than I ought to be. And Is so, anything okay? <laughs> well, now, I instead of eating the donuts that are available to us, very gracious, we have donuts that we have, and we have grapes and all kinds of things. That's a whole separate ministry by folks who volunteer here at the Friends of Israel, before we uh, do have our chapel. Mm-hmm. So I just go down to smell the donuts. <laughs> because, Chris... I know, the, I have to pull your face away from them. I, I mean, love the smell. You get that powdered donut uh, right on your nose. <laughs> I love that smell. But, but Chris, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So in everything we do, we have to say, wait a minute, is this good for me? Mm-hmm. Is this something I should do? And I'm not against donuts. I love donuts. and I But... It, each person has to decide how they're going to take care of the temple that God has given them. I totally agree with you. And, you know, I'm just thinking of what Paul writes in, I believe it's in Philippians, when he talks about what we what we put in our, our, our temple ultimately, you know, what comes in. And it says this in Philippians chapter 4, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, I, I think about that because you don't realize, you know, you can just think of your body as a temple, like you said, for food or for, you know, um, how we treat, uh, you know, with issues with sexual immorality, all that stuff. But it's even what we see and it's even what we hear and it's even what we think and even how that even how all that comes out of our mouths too you know i believe it's james that says the tongue is the strongest muscle in the body because it has the power to encourage and it has the power to put down uh, that all comes from the temple you know and so that's something we i've been trying to instill in my kids um, because they're testing all the waters of uh, as as nine year olds, eleven year olds, even four year olds. They're testing the waters of. Let's see, what am I allowed to say? What am I not allowed to say? And I always remind them, hey, whatever goes in, you know, is going to affect the way that you think and w- the way you act, and even what you say to others as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. You talked about eleven year olds, nine year olds, and four year olds. Uh, what are we allowed to do? Isn't it true that amongst Christians, there are people who try to stretch? Uh, the boundaries, and we'll talk to a pastor. Uh, maybe there's a pastor listening. Have they ever gotten a question? Pastor, am I allowed to do this? Is this something? Well, allowed? What What do you mean? In other words, can I go this far yes. and do this? Because I'd really like to do, is that allowed? They And that in, um, in Judaism, we have the fence of the law, where the rabbis knew that people would go to the absolute edge of what they're biblically allowed to so you know what they did chris they pushed it back yeah (laughs) and they said we don't want you to even come near that so we're going to make another law a man-made law a rabbinic law that will keep you from possibly breaking that other law they know that man is just his heart is deceitful above all things but doesn't it change the playing field when you're not asking approval of a man you're talking to the Spirit of God that dwells in you. You're asking God, is is this your will for me? Not am I allowed to do it. You might be allowed to do it. But is this something that you want me to do? Or, Lord, do you want me to stay away from that? Something that might be perfectly good. Yeah. Like a donut. Yeah. Well, I, I'm serious. I'm 100% serious. I, I'm allowed to eat a donut. And from time to time, I do. But I just say, wait a minute. I, I need to make sure that I'm balanced. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Hey, do Lord, am I supposed to read your word today? Uh, ah, you hear a voice. Nah, you know, you're tired. You got to hurry up. Get 10, 10 more minutes of shut eye and out the door you go. And then you hear that voice. Hey, you didn't talk to me today. Yeah. yeah. We have we have a living relationship yes. with the Spirit of God. We can commune with him just not just the same, but in a similar matter, manner as the Spirit of God, which dwelt in the holy place, they could when that when the when the cloud got up to move, they moved. They moved. Yes, he he's alive. He's that's this presence. He moved. Hey, we got to move. We we can operate in a similar way as we lean on him. You know, it actually when we're talking about the fact that the Spirit, what we're saying is the Holy Spirit has come down. You know, when Jesus ascended, he had promised that the Holy Spirit would come, and the Holy Spirit did come in Acts chapter 2 and dwells in believers. That's the presence, the same presence that dwelt in the tabernacle, in the temple, and the person and work of Jesus Christ is now dwelling in us. And we actually, it it should change us. That's the point, too, is that there should be some change happening. I, I always like to say that if you're reading God's word and the Holy Spirit is in you, there is always going to be 
some change that happens and it it will take time i'm not saying it happens overnight it's it's a it's a process because it's still changing me but i think of as we're talking about the donuts as we're talking about all these things um uh, you know my mind goes to galatians chapter 5 verse 22 which talks about the fruit of the spirit steve it says the fruit of the spirit which is what's dwelling in us is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and i always love this one self control you know the idea that i want that donut you know <laughs> but i have to be self controlled because this is the temple of god you know and that could that could apply to a myriad of things uh, in the christian walk and you know i've heard testimony after testimony of people who've shared with me uh that the life they live at work or at school where they've said oh you know the, uh, this person came to me and said you're not like all the other people around and they they will share with them because there's something different about you uh, that's the greatest compliment to me a christian can get there's something different i can't you're just not like everybody else why are you this way yeah. i've had people come up and tell me that i said man your walk with the lord is close because as God's communing with them and they're communing with God, other people are seeing that. Moses, you know, had to cover his face because he was in the presence of God. We don't have to do that, but people say, man, I can't I can't put my finger on it. That person, there's, I've actually, maybe you have too, I've been called a holy man by, <laughs> by folks who aren't believers who said, oh yeah, you're, they somehow, I say, well, no, no, I'm not a holy man. They'll, I said, you can't rub my belly and get your, your That's wish. Right. <laughs> I said, if anything you, we say it all the time, anything you see good in me yeah. is not me. That is God who resides in me and praise and glory belongs to him Amen. alone. Yes. Anything bad, hey, I get the credit for anything bad. Anything good, he gets the credit. You know, even when I'm thinking of the fruits of the Spirit and how it it, it, it changes us, it, it you know, the Spirit wants to work in us to change us so that we have the, the Spirit of joy, so that we have the Spirit of love and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. You know, my I just taught in the, the church that we uh, were at in Reading this weekend in California— uh, from Exodus chapter 34, 6, and 7, which where, where God talks about his character in nature. And he tells Moses, this is the God that I am. He says, uh, he says um, in Exodus chapter 6, I am a compassionate and gracious God. I am slow to anger, patient, abounding in chesed, love, uh, that's covenantal love, and faithfulness. Um, I am maintaining love to thousands forgiveness, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The the very character and nature of God, Steve, almost seems to, you know, who God is seems to match what God is doing in us because he wants us to be patient. God says, I'm patient. He wants us to love. God says he loves. He wants us to uh, be gentle and and show goodness. Well, in fact, when Moses said, "I want to, I want to know you, God. Tell me who you are." He says, "I will pass before you and show you all my goodness." You know, when I when I think about the Spirit of God living in us as we're temples, we're walking temples for the Lord. What we're really doing when He's changing us, He's actually saying, "I'm changing you into the image of Me. I want you to look like Me as you're out in the world. I want you to have the peace that comes with." 
salvation, the joy that comes with salvation, all of these things, what he's really doing is saying, be like me as you're walking out in the world. Be holy as I am holy. You know, as you talk about how God wants us to be like him, I'd say to myself, man, that takes a lot of work uh, to do it. And yet, Paul writes to the church at Rome in verse 11 of chapter 8, he says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I love this. So if the spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, Chris, to move a person like me, at least, in my sin in my nature, it takes power. Well, the Spirit of God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. Yes. That's powerful enough. Strangely enough, most of us don't think that way. We think the Spirit of God, we often act as though he doesn't have much power. Yes. And we need to help him, and we try to do things ourselves. If we yield to that power, you know, that the power in, in the New Testament is the word dynamite explosive power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, I confess myself, sometimes I, f- I forget how powerful he is. He's very powerful. I should want to lay myself before him and say, do what you will. Your power is going to move me to do wonderful things in your name. You know, that makes me think about the Ephesians passage where it tells you, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a play on that because, you know, Paul is saying, or well, God is saying through Paul, you know, Paul, uh, tell the Ephesian church that getting drunk on wine shows that the wine controls you. You know, the alcohol controls you, and you end up doing things that are the opposite of what the fruits of the Spirit are. You can become, you know, angry. You can become, because the alcohol is controlling you. In fact, you can lose complete inhibition. You don't even realize it because the alcohol physically controls your body. Uh, the temple of God, it controls you. Uh, but he says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think, you know, Christians, I used to think this, like the Spirit can drip, you know, if it, if I need to be filled up, then that means the Spirit could drip out. And, you know, that's... Leaky vessels. Leaky vessels. But I don't think that's what happens. I think what, what Paul is saying is, is that you have the Spirit of God in you. Instead of being drunk on wine and losing inhibition and allowing your body to lose control because you're... You're being controlled by the wine. Instead, be controlled by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that should manifest its way even into our physical bodies, not just our spirit, but in the way that we act and we think and we talk and all of that, how it permeates, not just the spirit, but how the spirit permeates to our flesh as well. It's being controlled by the spirit. And and we have heard testimony of people who, contrary to maybe being a little shy, a little... Uh, afraid of situations will say, I just asked the Lord to do this and that because I wanted to please him. And I can't even believe I was able to do this or that. And they said, I I don't do that under normal circumstances. That's because they were led of the spirit to do so. Mm. You know, we think of uh, the spirit of God living in us. That means we can grieve Mm. the Holy spirit. We can, we can, uh, make him sad, if you will, uh, feel bad, break his heart. We remember that the Spirit of God is a person. We believe in three persons in the Godhead. We think of the Lord Jesus, of course, who became flesh, but the Spirit of God doesn't have a body, but he dwells with us and is a person. And if 
as as we walk our walk, whatever that is, there are times we can just break his heart. And that's something that we need to be conscious of as well. Because the Holy Spirit is a person of the the Trinity. It's a it's a it's not just a part of us. It's a person, the God part of the Godhead in us. God which, in us. That's why you know, he can grieve the things that we do as well as he's dwelling in us. Steve, let me ask you, um, you know, I'm thinking about the Old Testament. God's glory came down, his physical presence in the tabernacle and the temple. But Israel's sin got so bad that his glory left the temple. And so can the physical pres- can the presence of God in our lives as we're temples walking around representing God, can the glory leave us? Can the presence of God leave us? You know, that's a really good question because there's precedent for that. We often talk about precedent. Well, Spirit of God left Israel. Uh, they sinned. They're, so maybe he could leave us. Except that in Ephesians, when Paul wrote that letter to the Ephesians, he said, you, talking to the church. Remember, he writes letters to church who are a group of believers, local believers, just like we have Today, you go to a local church, I go to a local church. So he's writing a letter. The difference here is this apostle, Mm -hmm. official representative of God, he's writing this letter that God intended to be the inspiration of, of, it becomes scripture, it's God's word, and he says this, you are sealed. Mm. That means an unbreakable seal. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Chris, that's a promise that we ought to, we ought to claim. Uh, it's a promise not just given to the Ephesians church. It's a pro- it's a promise given to you and me. Uh, the opening of Ephesians, if you read Ephesians chapter 1 in the very beginning in the first 14 verses, it actually highlights the Trinity because it talks about the God God the Father in your life. Mm-hmm. It talks about the, the, his Son in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it also talks about the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you get down to um, when you get down to uh, Ephesians chapter one, um, verse thirteen, it says, "And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory." Why don't you unpack that, Chris? Yeah, there's a lot. This is both what's happening in a Christian's life today, and also prophetically. There's a lot of prophecy in here as well. And so what's happening is the moment that you believed, remember I said you're not like a leaky cup. It's not like the Holy Spirit leaks out of you. Once you believed, you the Holy Spirit came in you. The full power of the Holy Spirit indwelt you, indwelt, came into your, uh, uh, indwelled you. Um, but what happened was in that moment, God sealed you, as Steve said, and it became a deposit of something greater coming. So in the same way that you might go to Walmart or some store and you see this very expensive thing that you want to buy, so you put a down payment down on it and it's it becomes yours. You know, let's say there's a big TV you want to get. So you put $100 down and you got $600 more to go or something. Well, that TV is your TV. They marked it aside. It's going to be yours. You, we're just waiting until that final payment is made and then you take it. It's an inheritance, or something that's coming for your presence, a deposit that's made. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is. It's a it's God's deposit 
that there is something greater coming, which means you've been sealed, it says, till the day of redemption. That means actually till the day that you are resurrected from the grave, the day that the Lord Jesus returns, the day that you come popping and bursting out of the grave just as Jesus did, that's the day of redemption when God redeems your body. And he's saying that if you've died, don't worry, you've been sealed until the day of redemption, that day the Lord Jesus comes, raptures the church. Um, or even if you're walking around and you're alive when Jesus comes, you're going to be raptured up in your, in your in physical his presence. In his, in, presence. His, in his presence. And, you know, as you, as you read verse 14, verse 15 says this, Therefore, yes. oh boy, therefore, what for? <laughs> therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's his prayer. In light, of, in light of what he guaranteed them by God's grace that they are sealed, he says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, there's that word, mm-hmm. may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know that the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, which he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Wow. I'm telling you, I'm motivated. <laughs> there, there is so motivated. much going on here, all because Jesus, uh, but when we were trusted Christ, we have the Spirit of God. And Paul, Paul you know, if, if this was a team that was down by 10 at halftime, That's what this this. <laughs> This is the Newt Rockney prayer That's that right. Paul is praying for the Ephesians. They're coming out there saying, we got this. That's right. <laughs> it's true. I mean, when you're reading that, Steve, I'm thinking the reminder that the Spirit of God is dwelling in us, and we need this. We need This is why we need God's Word interacting with the Spirit, because as you're reading this, I'm getting motivated thinking, what am I doing here in the podcast room? <laughs> I need to be out there doing something right now for the Lord, because His power is dwelling within me, and it gives me the capacity to go out and live a life that's drawing more people to Him. It, I love what he said, that we would have His wisdom, that we would have, be enlightened to who He is. You know, the only way to do that, Steve, is to be in His Word over and over again. You know, if we are in the Word... I think you could say it this way, Chris, in the vernacular of the, of the day, you got this. Yeah. You got this. Not not us by ourselves, but if we're in the word through the power that Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus and that uh, that we look to, we, we got this. We, we could look at what, you know, I think of our workers in Ukraine right now, and I, I that's immediately what I go to. What are they doing in the midst of a war, Chris? Yeah. I mean- there, we just prayed for them this morning. There's no gas or diesel. And so you, I, I just got word from our international ministry that our worker there, I, we prayed specifically, Lord, we, we, they don't have any gas. Help them find a way to get the things that uh, the folks need there in Ukraine. And I just talked to our uh, admin, uh, Kathy Miles, and she said she just texted me, they're on a train. Oh, amazing! They got on a train. <laughs> they figured they figured it out. How did they do that? And not just that they figured out a way to go, 
But these are ordinary people, Chris, doing extraordinary things. They're empowered yes. by God's Spirit to do incredible things for his glory. You know, my mind, again, because this is what's great about Paul, my mind goes to, I'm sure there's people out there, because I get this too in my heart, even when you hear those passages where you're motivated, you kind of go, but do I have what it takes? But am I capable? But, you know, and I think of what how Paul even spoke directly to this uh, when he says that, you know, God didn't choose the wise people of the world. Uh, he chose uh, the foolish things uh, to to preach the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That That's my life verse. Me too. I'm not kidding you. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to save. I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, the things that God has opened up because in my life, you know, and how where I am today, I just sit there and I marvel at him because... Yeah, you know, I, I look back at what I did in school and what I did, you know, when I was in high school and my grades and all that stuff, you know. And I remember my uncle even saying to me, man, Chris, in seventh grade, we were, we didn't know what was going to happen to you. Not even just like, what, where is this kid going? You know, but God, it's, it's all about the fact that even when you don't feel um, capable, it's the power of God in you. It's not you. That's the whole reason God chose you is to manifest his glory through you. You and I could compete as to how worthless we are. People are that, <laughs> I graduated in the top 10% of the lower third of my class. Think about that, Chris. I gesund. Uh, Live and be well. <laughs> I'm barely doing that. Yeah. But, but yet God's hand is upon you and upon me and upon those who are listening to us who've trusted Christ. You could do more than what you think if you turn yourself over to him. That's that's the key. Yes. You know, the Friends of Israel started, Chris. We talk about prophecy. Think about it. There were some pastors and businessmen. 1938, five years after Adolf Hitler uh, took power in Germany. And you know, one of the questions, I wasn't there, obviously, but they probably asked, what can we do? Yeah. What can we do? We want to do something. Yeah. So they met together. They prayed together. And Friends of Israel was born. It wasn't born by the Rockefeller money. It was born by regular people who had a burden, and they said, Lord, here am I. Use me. Yeah. You know, this is a great way, if you're feeling motivated right now, maybe you're listening and you're going, ah, yes, the power of God's dwelling in me. Well, then, Steve, I think this would be, if someone's feeling motivated, they should join Bridges, don't you think? 100%. Tell them what Bridges is. They don't. They might not know what it is. Bridges is our, uh, is our internship program that's free, it's online, and we want to train you to be able to minister in your Jewish community. Do they have to go somewhere, Chris? They don't have to go anywhere, but turn on their computer, and we're going to give them the tools and resources to invest in their Jewish community. So if you're sitting there thinking, I promise, I'm, I'm just thinking of this. this, this whole lesson was not an add up to you know share about bridges but i'm just thinking to myself maybe you're sitting there listening and you're motivated you want to do something you don't know what to do then you need to go to gofoi.org forward slash bridges 22 uh that's gofoi.org forward slash bridges 22 and you're going to be able to sign up for an interest meeting all you got to do is come and you can hear about uh, you know, ways that you can get involved with Friends of Israel. It's just an interest meeting. There's no... So there's no hidden, no strings hidden lines nope. somewhere. They're going to get me. We're it's not going to call you. Free. We're not going to bug you. We just want you to come and hear from other Bridges graduates uh, and you hear the, the, you know... Yeah, the, we just had a class that uh, graduated. Yep. Eight-week class. An eight-week class, and we had uh, 22 graduates come from it, and they all, they invested. I've been reading stories of them investing in the Jewish community, community now. They, 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 
went, they got motivated, and they went out and started serving. They started being the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus in the Jewish community. And so, anyway, if, this is just a simple plug, but if you are feeling motivated like I am, go foi.org forward slash bridges 22. Steve, so what we saw is this. The, whole, the glory of God, the physical presence of God came down in the tabernacle and temple. It left the temple, and then it came back in the person and work of the Lord Jesus. And then the Lord Jesus ascended, and then he sent the Holy Spirit who came down and is dwelling in us, and we are the walking temples of the Lord right now. Amen and amen. I summed it up perfectly. But we're not done yet. There's still, there's still more about the temple coming. Next week, we're going to look at the third temple. Is there a temple that will be rebuilt? There is a temple that will be rebuilt, and that temple will have sacrifices in it. The key is, when that temple is built, what's going on around it? And that is a, that. there's all kinds of things going around uh, about that, because uh, the church won't be there when that temple is built. And uh, we'll have to talk about that. Steve, I might just sit back and let you talk, because I know you just did like five messages on the temple being rebuilt. So I might just mute my mic and let you do your message. Oh, no, please don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I like tag team better. Uh, yep, I did those five messages on the temple, uh, and we had a great time. But I think uh, the venue, we're doing it here. In, now, that's why I like this podcast, Chris, is that it, we're not doing a message. We're doing a conversation. Yeah, it's a conversation. And, and hopefully the folks listening will check it out themselves. They'll, yeah. they'll do the research. Uh you know, we live in an age uh, where all you have to do is get on your computer uh, and you type in Holy Spirit, living for the Holy Spirit. All kinds of stuff will come up, stuff that maybe you and I wouldn't even a- agree with. But uh, through that tool, you can find so many things. Uh, ask your local, the, the church you're going to, ask the pastor about the Spirit of God and, and how he operates. We often, uh, and I heard you say it, uh, where we say the Holy Spirit and say it, it's not an it, and I'm not trying to crush it, Chris, but mm-hmm. we forget it's a he. Yeah. He's he's a person. Yep. He has personality, and he's living inside of us, and we forget it. I, I'm preaching to myself. We forget it. The Spirit of God living inside, so the glory of God is now in us, and we. that's why we say, Lord, I want to serve you and bring glory to Back, Back to, to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Romans 6, 4, I love the way that it ends it because it talks about the same glory of the Father that reached down and resurrected Jesus from the grave is the same glory in us. Therefore, we should walk, that we might walk, excuse me, we might walk in newness of life. We can live a resurrection. He's saying there's resurrection coming. That's that's the glorification. We're not there yet, but still, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we might walk in newness of life even today, which is just a powerful statement. Yeah, the jury's still out, right? I, exactly. <laughs> we might. There's actually, the verb to walk is in this unique Greek tense called the subjunctive tense, which means that it's a possibility. You know, I might make it to the party. I might go to the grocery store. I might do this. It's po- it's the realm of possibility. It might happen. You know, God, Paul doesn't say, now you walk like God. He doesn't make it something that we have to do, a command. Instead, it's that, hey, when you're yielding to the Spirit, you will be transformed into his image. You will you will be start to be changed like him. That even today, we might walk in newness of life. I love that. That's, That's our prayer for all our listeners 
and each other. Amen. And that's why we're going to go to the news now. Oh, boy. Here going we go. to the news. You know, this is a fun time, Chris. We have three specific news items we want to talk about. One, Chris, actually takes place from NorthJersey.com. We're in New Jersey. We're in South Jersey. but uh, Two different th- states, practically. <laughs> yeah. North, I've talked to North Jersey people who say they're a suburb of New York. These are New Jersey people. And, I, and in South Jersey, I actually had a Southern Jersey guy say, oh, yeah, we're, we're just a suburb of Philadelphia. Yep. I, I, now, I don't know how – I don't want to offend anybody here. I'm just telling you what a South Jersey person told me and a Northern – I always Jersey. tell people whenever I'm traveling, where are you from? Ah, oh, the Philadelphia area. Because yep. then they – but if I say Jersey, you know what they automatically think? Oh, you're New from York. Jersey. I'm like, no, nah, we don't talk like that. <laughs> That's up north. That's yep. up north. Anyway, uh, this is Patterson. Uh, New Jersey, which is North Jersey. Patterson celebrates street renaming in tribute to community. And what they've done is they've rena- they the city council voted unanimously. This took place in April for the street renaming in honor of the city's largest Palestinian community and its contributions to civic life and businesses. So this is Palestinian Way. They they named the street the Palestinian Way and I got to tell you, not all the Palestinians that live in Patterson are pro-Israel mm-hmm. by any stretch. Uh, but nonetheless, whether they are or whether they're not, that's an honor to the community. They're celebrating their background. Uh, according to the articles, vendors set up booths selling roasted corn, uh, dresses, bags, T-shirts, uh, all emblazoned with Palestinian way. And so they they were celebrating their identities. I think that's great. But you were also saying from that article that they celebrated along with the Jewish people. Well, I'm not sure. Actually, that's a, that's a good good uh, thing to say. All I know is in Clifton, New Jersey, and I you you might know your geography that's better. Still north, yeah. Okay, so Clifton, New Jersey, the Jewish community gathered there to celebrate, uh, which was of course May 14th. Israel's Independence Day, and they had lamb, and uh, they had uh, uh, they talk about uh, if your Palestinian chances are you started in South Patterson, so Palestine Way is long overdue. Patterson or, or is a greater city because Palestinians call it home. So chants of free Palestine and Palestine Way were accompanying the Clifton celebration. So there was. Oy, <laughs> Uh, Sorry, so the, <laughs> I had to. So, so they there was a. I'd say there was some stress here. Yes, uh, but good stress. Uh, it seems it, like the NorthJersey.com and the link is in the show notes if you want to go read. Yeah, it. you got to read the article because oh. it seems like it, the 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 writer is setting up a tension kind of there. There's the Palestinian way. The Palestinians are celebrating their identity in Patterson, but then. The Jewish people in Clifton are celebrating Independence Day in Israel. It says, meanwhile, also on Sunday, the Jewish Federation of Northern Jersey held a ceremony where the Israeli flag was raised next to the American flag outside of City Hall in Clifton. Uh, The annual event honors Israel Independence Day and shows support for Jewish control over the land. So you got the Palestinians on one hand, you got the Jewish people on the other, but Chris, there is no reporting of trouble. That's that's a good thing. I think that's a key thing to the 
to the article. So uh, Palestinian way is Israeli Independence Day. Can so I that, can I have the next one, the Israel twenty one C? I know I found oh, that one. Can I? Sure. Can I do this? You should do the news, Chris. If you're watching, um, if you're watching on our Facebook live feed or our YouTube live feed, um, then you see that Steve wears glasses. You see that I wear glasses, and I don't know about you, Steve, but every time I go to get glasses, I am I'm just blown. Even with insurance, I'm blown away at the cost. Uh, I think I went in once just to get lenses replaced. They're like, oh, you're not getting frames? Then those lenses are going to be $500. $500 just for the lenses? Uh, and I've worked my own little system now. I buy my frames from somewhere. I ship them out to get lenses done because it's just cheaper than going to all these other stores. But Israel has invented or created uh, cheap multifocal eyeglasses. Keyword there. In minutes. That's right. And cheaper, not days. Cheap. That was the keyword. Yes. <laughs> Number one, you well, you know, if you go to a store and you go, I want those glasses, they give you the eye exam. These are the prescription. And then you got to wait. And you wait. You could wait two weeks. You, you could, could. Wait, you could wait a long time for those glasses. Maybe there's some fellow um, uh, glasses uh, people out there that are that are uh, sympathizing with us. Um, but you know, this is these these lenses that Israel have created are actually 3D printed. Right there, like a piece of paper that comes out of a printer, your lenses come right out. They pop them right in your new frames, and uh, as you like to say, Steve, bada bing, bada boom, you're out the door in 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 minutes. In minutes, and what's cool is the actual name that they it's called it, it from the Hebrew. It's translated Mister Optic. <laughs> I love that name. I like Mr. it. I'm, where you go? I'm going to Mister Optics and. Bada bing, bada boom, I got my glasses. Yeah, uh, Israel is all about the bada bing, bada boom, because I think about the fact that you have a soda stream at home, and bada bing, bada boom, you can get seltzer water. Seltzer water. Yes. You don't have to go to the store. You just take your water from the tap, you pour it in, you put the the whatever the gas is from the machine, and boom, it comes out ready to and go. And all my family drinks uh, seltzer water, oh, do including they? the little four-year-old guy all the way up. That Now they've invented a drink. They take the soda stream seltzer. They take apple juice that my wife buys for them in the little uh, paper containers, and they do a double take. They take in with the little hands. They got their apple juice. They got their seltzer. The cup's there. They pour the apple juice, the seltzer in, and they they have their apple seltzer. Right there on the spot. <laughs> right there on the spot. Well, you know, I'm just thinking for all of our listeners and for me, too, there could be a day coming in the future. I'm not saying this thing is in stores right now, but there's a day coming in the future where you might go to get new glasses. In and, an hour. In an hour, and you leave with your new glasses, and they're ready to 100%. go. 100%. Custom made. The thing that is not any slower, and that's what's going to complicate things, they still have to cut the lenses to fit they have to fit whatever frames you get, and that can take a little time. But under the proper management of whoever is dispensing these, because, by the way, Mr. Optics isn't selling to the general public. They're going to be selling to uh, places that do glasses. Yeah, so, so you're not printing these out at your home. No, these are not done at the home, <laughs> and that's the way they're going to they're gonna make their money. It, but, Chris, this, this is exciting. Yeah. Just leave it to Israelis. I got a problem here. Oh, tell me about your problem. Well, I'm waiting in line. Okay, okay, you're waiting in line. I want my glasses. Okay, now they say, you know what? Now you don't have to wait anymore. That's right. That's They, they want to hear. I don't want to hear problems. Israelis love to hear problems because they love solutions. Oh, they love problems. 
I love watching Israelis when there's a problem. You know, I, I think a lot of Americans turn the other direction when there's a problem. I, I just, do. <laughs> I know. It's just, you know, it's one of those things where you uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, get away from here. Exactly. You, you don't want to deal with a problem. In, in Israel, I, whenever we would serve at the hospital, we do our volunteer work at the hospital, Steve, whenever there was a problem. Every Israeli, it didn't matter who you were. You could work at the hospital. You could be a patient at the hospital. You could be visiting your mother who's in a bed at the hospital. Everybody gathered around to see what the problem was. And, you know, what can I get? Can I help? Can I do this? What's going? I just and I'd laugh every time because everybody had an opinion, too. Even though you might not know anything about what's going on, you show up and you offer your opinion. <laughs> they love problems because they love solving them. Yes. They really do. And that's that. By the way, militarily, that's exactly why America has benefited from Israel. Because we might have the stuff, all the equipment. We send it to them. They use it and say, oh, you know, this wasn't too good. Yeah. We fixed this. And we did this. And then they send it back to us. And whatever it was, a tank or a, or a jet or a, a rifle, they say, man, this is much. We, we started this, but they perfected it. Yep, it's true. That's what they do. Yep. And there's a lot of stories like that that we could use. But we'll stick with the glasses for right now. Steve, we got one more to one offer. One more. And this is kind of interesting, uh, Chris, because the headline is, what are the Jewish roots of France's newest prime minister, Elizabeth Bourne? What is her Jewish what what are the Jewish roots? Well, her she, her family fled the Nazis in Poland in 1939 and here she is, a 61-year-old gal uh, who was born in Paris, uh, traces her roots. Her father was of Polish origin, born to a family that fled to France in 1939. And as refugees uh, escaping the Nazis, he was a member of the resistance and was therefore deported in 42 from France. He was a natural, a naturalized as a French citizen in 1950. And she comments, Elizabeth Bourne does, she comments that here my family came in 1950 and I'm a prime minister. Yeah. I'm the prime minister of France. That's amazing. A Jewish prime minister. By the way, in a country that... Uh, like other some other countries, including our own, where anti-Semitism is on the increase, and she's there. She was appointed by uh, M Macron. Yeah, I have to. We'll have to call the Massencos. Um, these are friends of Israel representatives. Um, Find out the scoop. Yeah, and I also am interested in some French politics now because how is there a president and a prime minister? I, I thought maybe that was a term used. What's the opposite in Israel? There's a prime minister, and then there's a president. The that president isn't. Uh, as powerful as the prime minister here, the president is more, more powerful than the prime minister. Yeah, that's interesting to me. So is it? Uh, that's why I'd like to get a. We'll have to get the scoop and come back next time and give a report. I know we'll give a report on some French politics. Okay, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we'll no, find that, out. But that's good news, though. I love hearing those kind of very stories. good news. Okay, well, everybody, here we go. Yiddish word of the day. Hey, listen, as we're getting ready for our Yiddish word of the day, everybody. you got to tell them this, this, Chris. I, I was picking out the Yiddish word of the day, and I found it. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, so I put it in the in the notes that are your show notes, and Steve comes bursting into my office because that's the way we roll. He comes flying right in. He goes, I got the Yiddish word of the day, and you know what's funny? We were thinking exactly the same. We chose the same word separate. So this is, of all the words out there in the Yiddish language, we chose the same exact word. Steve, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody Yiddish word of the day. Hold on. Yiddish word of the day, everybody. Here we go. The Yiddish word for the day is 
Nachas. Nachas. And you got to say that, ha. And Chris, you're far enough away so my spit didn't get to you. That's right. Nachas, you got to go. That's right. I got to put my face mask on, you know. That's right. Nachas. <laughs> and Nachas, you tell them what Nachas means, Chris. Yeah, Nachas, I have it written down here. Um, it means. See, I don't have to write it down. I know. You lived with this. I, I lived with it. That's but right. you tell them what it means. Nachas means uh, pleasure, satisfaction, delight or proud enjoyment it, you know i like this i got a i got a little example it says i get so much nachas when i see him on the bima those are proud words of a parent as they see their son uh, up reading the torah at a bar mitzvah at a bar mitzvah that's, that's right. right parents have much nachas as their <laughs> kids are are there on the bima during a bar mitzvah uh, there's nachas at a wedding, uh, nachas for a grandchild when you go see them at whatever they're doing or celebrating a birthday. It's a pride. It's a joy. It's oh, you, you, satisfaction. It's it's that feeling. It's hard to describe. But when the reason I chose it is we, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. The yep. Spirit of God dwells in us. It brings us joy, nachas. It brings God the Father joy that that. One of his uh, human being, people on the earth, received Christ, is saved, brings him nachas. Yes, and you know, it brings me nachas to know that we were both thinking about the same thing, <laughs> that we were both thinking about the Lord. That's what we were thinking about in the, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and that it brings joy, it brings delightment, it brings pleasure to know the Lord, having, having an intimate relationship with him through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that it, we're reconciled to God because of it, you know, through the work of, the, of Jesus on the cross. Amen, and it brings me great nachas to do podcasts here i love that i love it too well hey listen everybody that's the end of the jew and gentile podcast hey can i just say something really quick there's actually another podcast i want to introduce uh to you introduce you to it's ty perry's podcast gesher you can actually listen to it at foiequip.org you can subscribe there uh ty does a fantastic podcast it's sponsored by foi equip and for the jew and gentile thank you so much for being with us again the jew and gentiles podcast is sponsored by foi equip go there learn the bible from a jewish perspective foiequip.org don't forget to join me thursday night that's tomorrow night uh we're going to be looking again at israel and prophecy if you've not registered yet Go to foiequip.org and register today. Hey, great to see you, Steve. Great to be with you, my friend. Great, Chris.